We're in a series entitled Freedom Matters, and this morning, I want to talk to you about encountering God. Everybody say, encountering God. Look to your neighbor, say, encountering God. Look to your second choice neighbor and tell them how rude of you. How so terribly rude of you. Say, hey, we're going to encounter God today. We're going to encounter God today. Amen. We're going to encounter God today. Now, when you encounter God, I, I want to tell you this uh, from experience. Okay, from experience. Amen. When you encounter God, you are forever changed by the experience. Amen. You're, you're, you're changed. Something happens there's a dynamic there's a place there's a space because an encounter with God listen is a divine appointment with him it's a divine appointment with him and I love this it's a specific it's a specific time in your life when God shows up on your behalf I remember, I remember like it was yesterday. I was, I was 19 years old. I was, I was in a church. I was standing over in a certain space in the altar area. And I just always, every time there was altar time, I just gravitated toward that area. Anybody know what I'm saying? You just kind of gravitate toward, that's my space, right? Like, like that's my space, okay? You would just kind of get over into that space, and you would just, you, you feel like you could love God a little stronger. You know, you could just worship him a little longer, amen, in that space. And, and, and that space, that encounter when God shows up on your behalf, and he begins to work something in you. And I've had several spaces like that. You guys remember, long before I was ever even a youth pastor, I would walk the woods where, uh, behind the church, I would walk the woods, and I would preach to squirrels or trees or you know Sasquatch or whoever was out there to listen to me because I was just studying and I was growing and I was I was just trying to talk to my Savior and I was just trying to have a greater uh, respect and a greater relationship with God and God began to call me to do something in the next space and in the next step and God shows up and that that's that space that he shows up in it's marked by his presence it's marked by his power it's marked by his deliverance come on somebody can I get an Amen right there. And in and through that space, you begin to encounter God. And scripture is completely full of instances of individuals who had their own encounters with God. Okay, I'm not going to name all of them, but we'll talk about a few of them today. One of my favorites is a man named Jacob. In Genesis chapter 32 and verse 30, you remember when he said, I have seen God face to face. I've seen God Face to face. And after that experience, watch this. Jacob's name was changed, noting the transforming power of his encounter. And from thereafter, he walked with a limp as a reminder of the night he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. Can you think about that? The rest of his life. I don't know how the limp looked, but I'm just guessing he walked differently. He walked differently. After an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, you will live differently. You'll walk differently. You'll look differently. People will be like, what happened to you? And you just kind of give this generic idea and mindset, I'll tell you what happened to me. Jesus. And they're like, can you explain in a little more detail? Because I feel like I don't know that I want what you've got, okay? Okay. Is that contagious? 
Amen. It is contagious. It is a, it's a tad contagious. Amen. You know people that way. And in the New Testament, person after person were radically changed as each of them came into contact with Jesus. We're going to talk about the, the definition of that today. Okay. Now because of meeting Jesus, because they experienced and encountered him, watch this. Sick bodies were healed. Tormented minds were set free. Addicts were set free from their mindset and from their addictions. Blind eyes were opened, and even the dead were raised to life. Praise God. And our role, we have a role, we have a place and a space between God and us, amen, that we have to make ourselves available to God and be willing to cooperate with Him in whatever He wishes to do in our lives. I know there's people, they encounter God. Some of them very briefly. Amen? Just, I, I remember just this tiny moment. I remember just this tiny encounter that was there between God and I. And then I know people who were just all the way in. It, it was like they just fell into the deep end, right? And boom, they were forever changed. And it was like, wow, this is so powerful. And I've seen people walk in that space and in that process. In the church, we call it sanctification. We call it sanctification. It's a process. It's a process that we know that God is dealing with us. And God says, hey, I want you to stop doing this. And I want you to do that. And I want you to serve people in this way. I want you to watch your mouth. I want you to not, not have all those addictions that you have. I want you to look at the right things. Come on, somebody. Can you hear what I'm saying? You know, some of us, we have to get a bridle on our mouths, okay? And, and there's all of these spaces and places. But what we know is that our lives and our attitudes must be one of surrender. So many people, many uh, 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 people who are seeking an encounter with God, they refuse to take care of the ordinary things that we all have to deal with. They wish to encounter God's very best, but they haven't made things right among their family. They haven't made things right among their friends. They haven't made things right among their coworkers or their enemies. And we've been talking about it all last month, how the Bible wants us to come out of Egypt, how Scripture wants us to come out of that slavery, how God wants us to cross the Red Sea through baptism, amen, and how God wants us to embrace His very best for our lives. The only way to do those things is we've got to resolve some issues and some problems so that we leave no seeds of doubt or resentment so that we can be free to come concentrate on what God wants us to do. Amen. This is good stuff right here. We should do everything within our power to make sure that we work to encounter God free of worry, free of anxiety, free of the unresolved issues. I don't ever want to have to look back into a space and into a place and say, man, I feel like God would have really worked in my life if I could have just forgiven that guy. I feel like God would have really done something powerful in my heart if I could just keep my mouth bridled at times. Amen. So, some of us, think about this. Some of us, we walk in this space and we have this mindset that I can still be deceitful and experience God's best. Not going to happen. Hey, 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 let me, let me give you a good word for the day. You ready for it? Not going to happen. That's the word for the day, amen? It's not going to happen. Some of us have this mindset that we can manipulate or that we can dodge creditors. That we can, 
It's a fact. I, I, I remember people coming into the year 2000. You remember this? Uh, we're coming into the year 2000. We don't even know what it's going to look like. They just racked up all of these bills like Jesus is coming back in year 2000. I ain't even going to have to pay these bills, okay? Right? Come on. Because every, listen, everything that we do, everything that we do, we're living examples. We're either salt or light. Come on, somebody. Amen. So this is really good. So a, a lot of people, they think, hey, I could just dodge my creditors. And they never conduct themselves in the right manner internally, and then they'll never experience God's best. It, listen, it can't happen. God won't bless it. Amen, because God is not a man that he could lie. He is holy, so we are to be a holy people, set apart. Amen, sanctified. So the most important thing that we can do to get ourselves ready for an encounter with God is to continually make steps of surrender toward Jesus. Humble ourselves earnestly. The Bible doesn't say, hey, get somewhere where someone will humble you. Amen. It says you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and God will in due time exalt you. He'll bless you. He'll strengthen you. So our job, amen, is to humble ourselves earnestly, and our job is to ask the Holy Spirit to enable us and fill us with his power. We need supernatural power. Amen? And so many things will pull at us and try to distract us from our purpose. I just got a few of those things I pinned down today, all right, that we're going to talk about. All right, number one. Pastor Mike, was, it, was, was there a number one anywhere in there? Uh-uh, here's number one right here. Personal relationships. Personal relationships. I know people, they get saved, they commit their lives to Christ. And immediately, the personal relationships block out what God wants to do in their hearts and what God wants to do in their lives. And sometimes the ones that we love the most, our families and friends, are our greatest hindrance in following God. It's just true. We, we have people who are like, well, I'm afraid of what they might think. I'm afraid of what they might say. Uh, husbands who are nervous about what their wives may think or say. Wives nervous about what their husband, parents who are nervous about what their kids might say. Parents who are, or, or how about this, people who are a little bit worried about what their coworkers might say. Amen. So you must determine to follow your Savior no matter what. Here we go, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, look at your neighbor, say, he's talking to you. He's talking to you. Disciples, we are disciples of Christ. We're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was at this time speaking to his disciples, and he said this, if any of you wants to be my follower you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. Do we see that? Amen. I have a measure of sacrifice. You have a measure of sacrifice that you have to walk in. You have to take up your own cross. Amen. You have to take up your own cross to follow Christ. And then verse 25, he goes on and he says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So we've got to give the Lord Jesus Christ free reign to change us and to mold us into his image without worrying about what others will think of us. 
I remember working a secular job where it had the nickname Preach. That's just what to call, hey, preach, you know. Hey, is, you talking to me? Yeah, I am talking to you. You know, you, know who, you know who we're talking to. Come here, you know. And privately, they would ask me to pray for them. Privately, they would ask me to encourage them. They didn't necessarily do it out loud. They would kind of make some jokes and then say, hey, listen, man, I'm going through some stuff. Will you pray for me? You know, 100%. Do you want to pray right now? Absolutely not. That was their answer to me, right? Absolutely not, but just pray for me in private. Come on. Amen. But I was an example, and I was trying to be an example of what I needed God, and I wanted God to do in their hearts and in their lives, and I watched God move powerfully in and through many of those relationships. And listen, we've got to put God first. We've got to put Jesus first before all other things. You might remember the story when Jesus was teaching and preaching in Mark chapter 3, and and his family shows up, and they're on the outside of where Jesus is preaching and teaching. And the problem was, was that they didn't even believe in Jesus Christ's mission and purpose yet. And so they say, hey, Jesus, you need to come out. Can we talk to you, like, in private? Can we talk to you? And the, the, the disciples came, hey, your mom and dad, you, you know, your mom and your family's outside. Your mother and your brothers are outside. They want to talk to you. And Jesus said, who are my mother and my brothers? Whoever does the will of my father are my mother and brothers. And they were, they were like, Jesus, you got to stop. Like, you, you got to stop. You got to stop being all Jesus-like. Hello? You, you got to, like, maybe dial it, just dial it back. You know, like, instead of like a 10, you know, and, and you're already cranking, like you're pushing toward 11, maybe just dial it back to like 8. Help us all out. And Jesus is like, I've got to do the will of my Father who sent me. Jesus, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. And he's telling his family, he said, hey, listen, I got to do the will of my father. Anybody who does God's will is my mother or my sister or my brother. And then he goes on in verse 29 and he tells them, Jesus said, I assure you that everyone who's given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and property along with persecution oh man I can't wait to have more friendships and relationships and stuff why did you got to add persecution Jesus why has it got to be about the persecution come on somebody amen and we look at a place and we look at a space and man we shout it down Ooh, he's going to bless us. He's going he's to bless me with more relationships. He's going to do so much more in my heart. He's going to do so much more in my life. And you get the persecution. It's an added bonus. It's an asterisk. It's an asterisk. Listen, he says, along with persecution and in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. I want the eternal life. I don't care about the stuff. I love the relationships. I'm so grateful for that. I'm going to have those in a place called heaven forever and ever and ever. But more, most importantly, I want the eternal life that the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about. Amen. And so Jesus, here he is, his family, they're, they're, they, they want him to, to kind of step out of this space and dial it back. But Jesus prioritized his relationship with those who will submit themselves to the will of God. i got to do the will of God. 
of my Father. And listen, if you want to experience more of Jesus, you want to have a greater and a deeper relationship with him, then you've got to respond to God's agenda for your life. I can't respond to that space for you. I can't live in that space for you. Amen. Many people, they never experience a deep encounter with God because they're too busy focusing on their problems, too busy focusing on their relationships, too busy focusing on their careers, too busy focusing on their finances and their responsibilities, and they literally distract themselves right out and away from the supernatural of what God wants to do in their hearts and in their lives. Amen? I remember my job, I was working at Maytab a, lot, May, Maytab, Maytag a lot of years ago. And they said, hey, we're working 40 hours a week. We need you to go, uh, we need you to start working 48 hours a week. And then it went uh, to 55 hours a week. And then it went to 60 hours a week. And then they said, hey, you guys are working on Saturdays. You guys are working 10-hour days, 12-hour days, all this stuff. Now we need you to work on Sundays. I said, I put my foot down. I got to be in God's house to worship God. I will be in God's house to worship God. I'm not criticizing people who may work on Sundays. I'm not, that's not my intention. But I needed to put God first and to show that I was putting God first. And my boss said, listen, we don't want to lose you. I said, it's not about that. It's about me losing my relationship with God. And that I am not willing to pay for. That I'm not willing to lay down. I don't care how many hours you give me. I don't care how much overtime you're trying to put into my hands. Amen. God has my back. He's got me. And I was trying to study. I said, I'm trying to serve in the ministry. I'm trying to serve at my church. I have, I've got to be there to serve at my church. Do you work there? I do not. Do you get paid there? I do not. I've got to be there. I've got to be there to serve. I'm there to lay down my life so that others may know him and experience him and encounter him the way that I've encountered him. I told him, I said, I put in my two weeks notice. If you need a little sooner, you know, you make the call. But God has got my back. The next week, had a phone call, and they said, hey, we want to hire you as our youth pastor. Will you come and minister for us? God knows. He knows right where you're at. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows what you're going through. God, did I have to work all this overtime to get to this point? Could we... Is there a space, Lord, where there's less persecution? Can I sign up there? I feel like you put me in the wrong spot. Amen. Don't distract yourself from what God wants to do. Point number two. I got to get moving. I'm so sorry. Personal plans and ambition. Personal plans and ambition. Do you want God to work in your life, but you only want him to work in certain areas in certain ways? Well, I'll give God these things. But he's got to leave his hands off these things. That's not a place of surrender. Amen. Are you trying to dictate to God what to do and how to do it? To truly encounter Christ, you must lay aside any preconceived notions and ideas of what God may or may not do. You have to die to self and be open and transparent to him. I remember working at a secular job and I invited a friend of mine to come to church. You might have done this before. And I'm praying the whole time, God, don't let anything weird happen. Went to a full gospel church. Amen. Just, just don't let anything, you know, 
You know what I'm talking about. I'm trying to be cool, trying to play it cool for my friend, not take it to a, you know, level 11, trying to dial it back to like a six, yeah? And I look over at my buddy, he's got his hands raised in the air, eyes wide open, he's just watching everybody, like everybody else is doing it, he's waving at folks, but he was surrendering, he was making a space of surrender between between him and God, and it was working in an exemplary form. Amen. In John chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But it's death. Listen, your death to self produces many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Your death to self, your service to God's kingdom, your commitment, your purpose in that space and in that place. Amen. Personal plans and ambition. And we have no idea of the greatness that God is desperately trying to get us to walk in. Maybe you aren't supposed to become somebody, but unbecome someone. If you will do this, God will move powerfully and he'll accomplish the work in your life that he wants to do. And listen to me, there's no way, no way Jesus could accomplish his mission in this earth of sacrifice and resurrection and eternal life for humanity without dying to his self. He died to himself. He sacrificed. He surrendered. He laid down his life. He laid down his personal plans and agendas for the greater cause of God's mission and purpose. Point number three. Personal possessions. Oh, Pastor Mike, don't get me here. The things we own can mean so much to us. And scripture says, I won't read off the scripture, but it says that every good thing we have was given to us by God. Somebody say, by God. It was given to us by God. Listen to me. And God is more than able to take care of our things while we are seeking to encounter him. I'm telling you, I've seen God work in those powerful ways. People said, you got to work. you got to have this. you got to do these things. Listen, no, no, no. What I have to do is surrender my heart and surrender my life unto God. God will take care of the rest. I'm his issue. I'm his problem. I've committed my offering to him. I've committed my... My life to him. I've committed my tithe unto God. I've committed my heart, my mind, my purity unto God. God, I am now God's job. He has to deal with me. Come on, somebody. He's got to take care of me. He said he would bless me in that space. Amen. And we watch this. We see this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above what? All else. All else. Do you see it? All else. And? Live righteously. A lot of people, they don't want to talk about living right. Pastor Mike, what's living righteously? Living right before God in its simplest form. If I had to tell a four-year-old, I would say it's living right before God. Righteously. Amen. I'm living right before God. He says this. It says, if you, if you seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, God will what? Give you. Everything you need. 
oh, Pastor Mike, but you didn't include everything I want, so I got some things. Hello? Amen? Verse 34, let's move on. I can't stay here. God says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. The word of God is completely clear. If I seek him, if I seek his kingdom, I seek his purposes. He'll take care of us, and he will provide for your needs. Come on, somebody. Amen. Nothing is so valuable as to be of more worth than encountering the living God. Amen. Nothing. Nothing is more valuable than that. And point number four, when you encounter God, Pastor Mike, when you encounter God, what might you experience? Well, that depends on what God specifically does in your heart and the space of surrender that you're walking in. Amen? See this. You may experience a freedom that you've never known before. Amen? You may experience a new confidence in God's love for you. You may experience a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. You may experience an infinite happiness in the goodness of God. People just start talking about God and you just get that goofy smile. The goofy smile. You know the goofy smile. I won't give it to you, but you know know the one I'm talking about. Right? You just can't help but just be grateful. And to be thankful and to be blessed and to be highly favored of God. And I have found that many people experience the following changes. Pastor Mike, when you you encounter God, what might you experience? Here's your important words right here. Number one, you will experience repentance. You'll experience repentance. In Psalm chapter 51, King David said, For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight, God. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. Most people, they come, to face to, they come face to face with their own sinfulness. They come face to face with their own weaknesses and frailties and insecurities, and they say to themselves, I need Jesus and I need forgiveness. It's a space we call Repentance. And all of us have sinned and we need to periodically examine our hearts, examine our lives for any areas that are not pleasing to God. Pastor Mike, I'm not sure, how to, I'm not sure what to do. I would encourage you to start a fast. I would encourage you to begin to fast and say, God, I'm going to fast every lunch. I'm going to fast lunch for, for, for this week. And God, I need you to do something in my heart. I need you to do something in my life. And during that time of fasting, to read your Bible more and to pray more. Because if you fast and you don't read and study and worship and pray, then you're just on a diet. Amen. Amen. Praise God. When encountering God, God provides the perfect place Listen, when encountering God, it it provides the perfect place, the perfect time to get right with him in any way that you need to. Repentance, watch this, this is so good. Repentance is always characterized by a change in life and attitude. Amen? It's not about my sorrow. It's not about my feelings. It's not about my regret. It's a change in my life. Produce... It produces transformation. Amen. Produces transformation. The second thing I've seen, I've seen happen in people's lives. Repentance, number one. Number two, new direction. A new direction. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished 
for a living. Jesus called them out and said, come and follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Now, I'm just kind of curious right here, okay? This is just how my brain works. How's that going to pay the bills? Huh? He's speaking to fishermen. He tells them, hey, follow me. I'll show you how to fish for people. Why would I do that? I mean, that's a good question. It's a really good question, but watch this. It says, and they left their nets at once and followed Jesus. They left everything to follow him. Now, ordinary fishermen, here they are. They encounter Jesus. Their lives take a drastic new direction. Here's the point that we're trying to focus on. They left all the old and familiar things, and they launched out into the deep waters of following Jesus. And that place and that space always takes faith. Somebody say amen. And not every believer is called to a full-time Christian vocation. I understand that. But every believer is called to be a full-time Christian. Amen? Hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. You're always clocked in. Amen. That's good. Following Jesus, and the, and the last thing right there, they're following Jesus, the, the disciples. Here's what they did. They followed Jesus, and they brought others to him. That's part of our role, part of our job, part of who we are. We follow Jesus, and we bring others to him. The hurting, the broken, the frustrated, the confused, the good people. Come on, there's some good folks out there. They just need Jesus in their heart. They just need Jesus in their lives. I wasn't one of those people, but there are some out there. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? Praise God. All right. Number three, the next thing that we see, I've only got two more. Let me look. I don't want to lie to you. Yeah, two more, promised. Okay, there we go. Two more things. The next thing, all right, is transformed character. A transformed character. Here's what you will encounter when you encounter God. Genesis chapter 3. I love this story. Verse 22. And I have to preach on this another time because this, this may confuse you, okay? But during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives. All right, let's deal with that at another time, okay? His two servant wives... His 11 sons, okay, I don't have time to break all that down today, but he crossed the, J the Jabbok River with them. Now watch this, verse 23, this is so powerful. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. Verse 24, this left Jacob all alone. All alone. In the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him, until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, Jacob, relentless, think about this. One, one, one angel uh, slew 185,000 of the Assyrian army in Scripture. I'm pretty sure he could handle Jacob. But somehow, there was a fight on the inside of this man, there was a passion on the inside of this. There was a devil dog on the inside of this man to all my Marines out there, okay? There was a devil dog on the inside of him, and it said this. He wrestled with him, and when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip. He, he got supernatural. He wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. 
What's your name? The man asked, and he replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called, you will be called Israel. Watch this, read it. Who's he fighting? It says, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Now, when Jacob had this encounter with God, his relationship with his brother Esau changed. He's running from his brother. He's doing everything he can to stay away from his brother. Remember? Because he got blessed of God and he tricked his family. Jacob's name literally means trickster or deceiver. And if Jacob, think about this. If he had been unable to beat Esau up physically before this fight, now he can't even run from him. Remember, he's got a limp, okay? That doesn't sound like that was a good move on my part, on Jacob's part right here. But in this space, God is touching him and, and, and ministering unto him. And watch this. Now he's alone. Now he's afraid. Now he's completely broken. And it's exactly where God needed him to be. Exactly where God wanted him to be as the worship team comes. Even his very name changed from trickster and deceiver to Israel, which means he that strives with God. He changed his name. He changed his outcome. He changed the space. Listen, you'll be forever changed if you will allow God to have his way in your life. Any testimonies of faith out there? Any testimonies of a changed life out there? Anybody? Come on, shout if you've got that on the inside of you. God's changed me. He's rescued my heart. He's rescued my life. Our final point, the final thing that you will experience is a renewed love. A renewed love for God and his kingdom. In John chapter 21, I'm almost done. Verse 14. It says, this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. The third time. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know that I love you. I don't know if you remember the story very much, but after Peter had denied Christ for three times, he denied Christ three times, Jesus told the disciples, I want you to go get all my disciples, and watch this, and he said, and Peter. Because Peter had the mindset, I'm no longer able, I'm no longer in that space, I, I can't be in that space any longer. Jesus said, I want you to go get all my disciples and Peter. So now he's asking Peter, do you love me? You love me more than the rest of these disciples? You think you've got all this figured out? You're going to be better than the rest of the disciples, Peter? Is that where you're going to be at? And Peter had a mindset. He had a, hum he had a humility problem. He had a pride issue. Come on, somebody. Amen. He tells Jesus, Jesus, I, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Then Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter said, I know. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. He's saying, hey, get back into serving others. Get back into loving others. Bury this weakness within yourself. Bury this failure. Hey, 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 look at me. Bury this failure and get into the space where you're walking in victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say good amen right there. And Simon, he's there. He says, take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. But he's just trying to get him to pay attention to what's going on. And Jesus, uh, Peter said, Lord, you know everything. 
You know I love you, Jesus said. Uh, then Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Amen. I've called you. I've ordained you. I've purposed you. Get back to work. Amen. Peter boldly declared that he was willing to follow Jesus even unto death. You remember. But as the story unfolded, we read how he denied Christ three different times. Then after Jesus' resurrection, Peter was restored. He was given a place of authority. He was given a second chance to prove himself as a most committed disciple and prove himself he did in the mighty book of Acts. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Filled the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we allow God to move in us, to develop us, to correct us, to rebuke us, we will walk in his purpose and will walk in his passion. It was Peter's repentance that allowed for restoration. The Bible gives us many examples of people who were radically transformed by their personal encounters with Jesus. You remember the stories of the Samaritan woman, the stories of Zacchaeus, the stories of, uh, of the different disciples, every one of the disciples and the demoniac from Gadara. After encountering Jesus, these people were never the same again. And you can be assured that you won't be either. We stand this morning. That's all right. You could give him a hand of praise. You could give God a hand of praise this morning. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed for just a moment. Hope City Church family, pray with me if you will. You say, Pastor Mike, I don't know Jesus as my Lord. I don't know him as my Savior. And I want to step into an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to have that encounter that you're talking about. I want to have that life change, that repentance, that character change. Pastor, I need that in my heart. I need that in my life. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed for just a moment. You say, Pastor, that's me. I want to say yes to Jesus today. We just slip your hand up in the air? That's me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, son. God bless you, sir. God bless you, young man. God bless you, young lady. Hands all over the building. I, I, wanna, I want you to pray this prayer with me this morning. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your heart and believe, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that God will save you. If you call upon the name of the Lord that you can be saved. I want you just all over the building, just pray this prayer with me this morning. It's not about the style of the prayer. It's not about the volume of the prayer. It's not about how long the prayer is. It's about the issue of your heart. And God sees your heart. He sees that you want to call out to him. He sees that you are reaching up, that you are reaching out for him. And I want you to pray this prayer with me all over the building. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to rescue all mankind. I desire that rescue in my heart right now. In the blood of Jesus and through the name of Jesus, I pray. I ask you, God, to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all disobedience. I'm going to be grateful and thankful and prayerful unto you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Can you give God a hand clap of praise in the house this morning? God, I'm thankful today, God. I'm so thankful today, God. I'm so thankful today, God. Lord, for your healing, God.
I, I want to just worship for just a few moments. I don't feel like God is done here today. You might be in a situation that you're dealing with something and you need to have a renewed love after God. I want you to find a place to pray, find a place to worship, find a place maybe around the altars to come up, to slip your hands up and to honor God and to bless Him. Maybe right there at your seat, you would sing with us and worship with us for just a few moments before we're dismissed. And I want you just to find that space to encounter God and to thank Him. The Bible says that after you call upon the name of God and you are saved, that all of heaven rejoices. All of heaven rejoices when one son or one daughter comes home and comes back into right relationship or right fellowship with God. So all of heaven is rejoicing. All of heaven is celebrating. Amen. I think that we ought to just be a part of that celebration as we lift up the name of Jesus for a few moments. And, and, and you might say, you know, I, I need God to do a work in my heart, a work in my life. I want you to find that space to pray. I want you to find that space that God will do a powerful work in your heart powerful work in your life right here in this house, right here in this sanctuary, right here in this space. Come on, all over the building. Just slip your hands up. If you want to make your way up to the front and pray and spend a few moments in worship, we're going to sing and celebrate in the name of Jesus. We're going to sing and celebrate what God's doing in our hearts and in our lives today.